0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, we are up to the eighth episode, I believe, in this season, talking about uh, death and resurrection. Uh, I uh, am feeling quite dead after the week I've just had um, and am lo- hoping that this uh, this recording will be a resurrecting sort of experience and so that I'll, I'll leave this session with renewed life. Uh, my name's Cameron.
1: G'day, Cam. Uh, Good to have you here. Uh, Alive and well. Uh, Ken here. I'm Luke.
0: Yeah, and I'm Lachlan,
2: and I am too tired at this point of the week to think of any clever and witty way to add to this developing theme.
0: Right. Well, we are not going to address this week's lesson from the the Seventh-day Adventist lesson quarterly in its entirety, but we're going to focus in on Monday, which had some... uh, sort of beautifully crafted leading questions the lesson excels in leading questions and um, and we are not even going to cover all of Monday we're going to cover the opening and closing statement of Monday's lesson and uh, should we perhaps read these statements first and then turn to a bible passage or read the bible passage first
2: Let's read the statements so that we've got them in our mind, so okay. that we that might that might, there's probably there's probably more than we have time to cover. To be honest, yeah. in the verses that we'd like to read, and this will help to sharpen our focus.
0: Okay, I'm quoting from the lesson. It has already been almost two thousand years since Jesus promised to come again. How can we help others see that, despite the great length of time, which doesn't really matter? This promise is relevant even to our own generation, so long removed from the time when Jesus spoke it. And the closing uh, uh, question to Monday's discussion is, a pastor preached a sermon arguing that he didn't care when Christ returned. All he cared about is that Christ does return. How does that logic work for you? And how might it help if there's a comma that shouldn't be there? (laughs) Ignore it then. That comma shouldn't be there. I'm I'm disturbed. Uh, How does that logic work for you? And how might it help if you are discouraged over Christ's having not yet returned? I'm completely derailed by that comma. Um, uh, I'd encourage our listener to turn to their physical copy of the lesson and erase the comma. Uh,
3: Maybe I think they might
0: have to use whiteout. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Good. Um, Okay. It's a good question. Um, Do we have any thoughts or shall we read the passage straight away? I think we should just go to the passage. Okay, can you kick us I'm, off? I'm
3: hoping that the recording just picked up my long, deep sigh. And <laughs> on to the passage.
1: I'm going to start. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. I pause. Do you think that what he's about to say is going to be important? I continue. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years... And a thousand years are like a day. I pause again to refer to Psalm 90 and verse 4, which I just happened to be looking at earlier today um, without realising that there was going to be this correlation. Um, and Psalm 90 verse 4 says, um, or starting at 3, you return men meant meant to dust. Um, and verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Or like a watch in the night. Um, So, in fact, uh, a thousand years are not like a day. They are like a day or like a watch in the night. But in any event, uh, carrying on, uh, this is the central dilemma that I think uh, is faced in this lesson and in the Seventh-day Adventist theology of A Soon return. It says this in verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Somebody else can carry on.
2: But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you you should live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness.
3: And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Look, that's one of my favorite bits uh, in the whole Bible. Um, this uh, this reference by Peter to Paul because I think this probably ca- Peter and Paul had uh, an encounter. I, I think I at the just... Jerusalem Council. Um, yeah, uh,
3: just a little bit of shade. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, From Peter here, and, uh, and yet it's also a very it's also a very gracious way of saying, look, Paul and I just see the world through completely different eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's I mean I'm a fisherman, he's. A lawyer, and they just think in these unusually uh, convoluted ways, uh, and and none of us get it. But he's probably right about most of the things that he says. It's just that you can't yeah. understand them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: no, but it's more than that. Peter Peter is actually saying we see things in completely different ways, but what we the thing we are describing is exactly the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's very good. I just really love it. I really love that passage. Um, I
0: was struck by the by the qualifier and unstable, ignorant yeah. and unstable people distort. I thought, well, that's actually a, a fairly... I don't know what different translations are like and what it's like in the original text, but that's actually a really interesting... fairly inter- strong. It's, it's a, a, fairly a really strong interesting description. coupling, isn't it? Because it's not yeah. ignorant and malicious people.
1: No, it's ignorant <laughs> and unstable. People, it, 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 I I I I tell this story on myself. Um, I, I was having a discussion with my wife Wendy uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and she said, "Yes, but you, when you're saying that, you're you're, you're saying that these people um, uh, are, are, are ignorant." And, and i said no no i'm not saying that i'm just saying they haven't thought about it carefully enough um and mm. and and she said but that's so arrogant i said but it's not if it's right um <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 it raises a really interesting issue about uh it, can i call it epistemological humility um mm. <laughs> uh, but anyway um uh i'm not sure where that takes us but it's it's a um peter's been i think given their disagreement uh quite gracious um you saw yeah. it differently i think Luke, uh, well i <laughs> slightly mean slightly barbed um <laughs> it's it, it it's
3: it's probably silly to read too much into it one way mm. or another mm. um but it could it could definitely be barbed mm. Mm. Um, towards Paul mm. as in that this guy could really just he could just write things in a much better way mm. <laughs> um, or it, it could it could be barbed towards someone else these untaught and unstable people mm. we have no idea who they right. are but presumably Peter and the audience would both know who he was talking about
1: but but we, um, we're getting we're getting distracted from the from the yes, central issue and and I want to come back to verse 9 because let me, let me start our discussion of this issue with this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Um, he has said he is returning soon. It is now 2,000 years. Unless one were to define slow in a manner that completely eviscerates it of any of the traditional meaning, is it not right to say the Lord is slow in keeping his promise, as most everyone understands slowness to be.
0: Ken, well, some <laughs> I've got it. To... S-
3: some, some people could be practically everyone.
0: Yeah, okay. No, but yes, you're exactly right, Ken. He does redefine slowness to mean something other than what almost everyone means it to be, because you started at verse 9, but he qualifies it in verse 8, because a thousand years is just like a day. Mm. So so effectively what he does is he says, oh, look, he said he's coming back soon, but, you know, what, what does soon mean? And and this, this lets God off the hook, I think. Well,
1: soon means something other than
0: 2,000 two thousand
1: years. years, doesn't it? Well, um.
3: it, it depends on, on geological timescales.
1: <laughs> yes, okay, okay, <laughs> not, very, not good, really. very good, very good. Yep.
3: Um, it's it's all about it's all about the appropriate scale. But I, I noticed something really interesting, Ken, in your quote from Brother Proverbs ninety, Psalms
1: ninety, yeah,
3: Psalms ninety, yeah. where because I don't know if it was that quote, but it's another one, maybe where it's a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, right? Mm. And I just I just you know half. I wasn't half listening to you, but just sort of listening to you read that and going, I know how this is going to go. I've read this before sort of thing. Um, That's not what that quote says. That quote compares a thousand years is like a day or like a watch in a night. A watch in a night is even shorter than a day. It's probably about four hours, Mm. three Mm. or four hours. Mm. Um, Mm. So the quote's actually comparing a thousand years is like a day or a thousand
1: years is like an even shorter period. Mm. Isn't it really saying... In this context, time is irrelevant. Well, And might that not be... Cam, you're just trying so hard to get in here and you're not succeeding. But yeah, is, sorry, isn't, that, isn't that a little bit like what Jesus said? Nobody knows the day or the hour. And isn't the point about not knowing the day or the hour um, and the point about a thousand years being like a day that time is irrelevant. Soonness and slowness don't enter into it. And doesn't that also then suggest that our obsession with timing, other than by specifying the day and the hour, uh, is misplaced?
0: Well, uh, we need to revisit that question, Ken. I'm going to jump into that silence that you've created um, with some thoughts. Uh, one of them is uh, that uh, this gives this this sort of rephrasing of things gives God's considerable room to move um, there's a cartoon of a guy sitting there on the top of a mountain talking to a cloud and the clouds answer him it's obviously God's voice coming from from heaven and he says God is it, is it true that uh, you know a thousand years is just like a second to you and the voice of God says yes that's true does that mean that um, you know a million dollars is just like a cent to you and the voice of God says yes that's right. And then the, the man gets a crafty look on his face and he says, God, could could I could you give me a cent? And God says, Sure. Just a second.
1: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> very, very good.
0: So so but that's the sense that's the sense in which verse eight I find simultaneously to be the thing that um, solves the problem and yet irritates me. Because it, um... it's like saying I don't know. It's like I don't know what it's like, but it's uh, it lets God off the hook entirely. I wonder if Peter would have written this passage in quite this way if he was coming after and not before the two thousand years.
1: Mm. It's a little bit like like the you know the the astrology columns. Um, in in the newspaper or the magazines, uh, yeah, okay. Well, we can, we'll say this is going to happen, but we'll say it in a way that means that whatever might occur, it is taken to be the to prove the truth of the statement. Um, yeah,
0: like an asterisk and the soothsayer, where the soothsayer asks for a. Sh- uh, they're in the middle of a huge storm, and all the Gauls are worried about the sky falling on their heads. And the soothsayer asks for the entrails of a fish or something, which he consults, or tea leaves or something, and then he announces, to huge relief of the population of the village, that the gods have revealed to him that when the storm is over, the weather will improve.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, thinking thinking about what what you said, Ken, about the is effectively is the meaning of these statements that the time doesn't. Matter in the sense that we can't know it. There isn't... The the scale is not the way we measure time. Soon doesn't mean soon the way we think it does. So, therefore, the point is not to know Mm. when it's going to happen.
1: And that's supported by the reference to the thief. Because you don't know when the thief is coming. You've got no idea. If you did have... and, and, and And that also then... Doesn't that also call into question our obsession? uh, Am I using language that's too strong? Um, No, uh, I I mean to be. I mean to be using it respectfully. Uh, Our obsession with this idea of being ready, Um, because the being ready, I mean, if you can't be ready for the thief to come, Um, this uh, is
0: this is this is um, a good time to um, to jump in with a quote which I've used before in this, in this podcast multiple times. I've used it in sermons. I think that this quote encapsulates so succinctly what is not helpful about the emphasis we bring to the second coming in the way we message it and package it and present it and talk about it amongst ourselves. It comes from a long time ago. This is George MacDonald um, and... This is from a a book of sermons which he published, and I'll read it. Do those who say, Lo here or lo there are the signs of his coming, think to be too keen for him and spy his approach? When he tells them to watch, lest he find them neglecting their work, they stare this way and that, and watch lest he should succeed in coming like a thief. So throughout, if instead of speculation we gave ourselves to obedience, what a difference would soon be seen in the world." Mm. Well, mm. this is the well, I, I think it's... we can probably just wrap up the podcast there.
3: <clears throat> Don't think I could put it any better than that.
0: Well, I've got more things I want to say Luke, but um... Yeah, Lock Lach- Lachlan was trying to jump in too. <laughs> Sorry Lock. Yeah. No, it's fine. I, this
3: is exactly
2: the the thing that I've just been musing about. Um the the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think of slowness. Is this talking more about understanding motivation? Because look what it goes oh. on to say next. No, he is being patient for your sake. It explains a reason for the patience. So could it be arguing that it's about it's about a, the, the the motivation and the reason? He's well, not being slow because he's lazy. He's what? not being slow because he can't be bothered. He's not being slow because of forgetfulness. These are the reasons that some people think uh, motivations for slowness, but actually, it's it's mercy and and um, not wanting yeah, yeah, anyone but, to be destroyed. It's being patient for yourself. How is it
1: that because because um, let, let's let's say he's talking to uh, he's talking to well Peter's talking to people who were alive at the time that that was written. That uh, there there is primary audience. We we're a secondary audience, not no, no less important, but that's his primary audience. If God hadn't Take it allowed the 2,000 years, it would not have prevented him from saving them. Uh, those who were going to be saved in the sense of get to heaven at that time would still have been able to be saved if he'd left it until the end of their lives, um, whenever that might be, the 70 or 80 years that they might have had. Uh, he didn't need to wait 2,000 years to give them enough time to be patient with them. True, it is that. By not waiting the two thousand years, you and I would never have existed, and we would never have had the opportunity. Um, but that will be true of whether it's a hundred years, two thousand years, or five hundred thousand years. Well, that, um,
3: that's exactly the point. As long as people are, are reproducing, that he will always have to wait. Well, that it's, was if, if if you if you think through the. If you, if you extrapolate what he's saying to these specific believers to be applicable to everyone, then Christ cannot return while people are still having children.
0: Yeah. No, but, yeah, a, but it's but, all... So
3: that can't possibly be the meaning.
0: Well, the meaning's very... <laughs> well,
2: why can't it be the meaning? I'd say exception. Well, that Why can't it be the meaning? Why can't it be telling us something deeply true about God that he is so unwilling... To miss out on things, good things that could be that he would actually prefer to wait until the earth is consumed by the sun swelling to become a red giant. Well
3: that's that's not the only way it might go. Nuclear fire could
0: come along before then. No, but this is Christ explicitly (laughs) tells a parable with with that moral, with the wheat and the tares. So um but um so I think that is the, the sort of god we're dealing with. But you guys are missing the perspective entirely here. Um, we only have to employ. Um, I'm saying this w- with my um, ironical hat on, in case anyone's missing uh, missing <laughs> that out. Um, I was watching for the it, they can't, they can't see
3: it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we only
0: have to employ these arguments to explain um, is delay in the past. So this is when the lesson says, despite the great length of time, in brackets, which doesn't really matter, because that's in the past. And it's important that we justify that because we're expecting a soon return and it hasn't happened yet, so we don't want to have egg on our face. Uh, but that doesn't stop us from insisting that it, the time really does matter in the future.
2: Right, no, because it's got to be really mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. Because probably, it's probably next yeah, year. Yeah,
0: I've, I've, I've not had next year,
1: um, but I've recently had... Uh, within the next two years well I don't see how that and 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 somebody thought that was a bit optimistic so and suggested it was well well yeah but certainly within the next 10 years um, and, and 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 I just couldn't I just can't see how that is any different to specifying the day or the hour um, uh, you've at least specified the outer limit of it uh,
0: next time someone suggests it, I've been waiting for an opportunity and I, I've none has come up in recent years where someone in personal conversation has made this claim to me. Uh, but I feel that I will say when someone says to me, I, I reckon Christ is going to come in the next few years. I feel like saying, I, I'll bet you $100,000 that he doesn't. Because it's a bet I can't <laughs> lose. Because if he does come, who's, who's going to care for $100,000? So, um, um, you know, but that seems to me the logical place to bet. And this is, this is the point of Christ's um, parables. The... The, it's not. I'm not just being tongue, tongue in cheek. Um, the servants who are commended are the servants who bet that the master won't be coming home soon. The one, the one who thinks the master needs to come home soon is the one uh, he's going to come home soon, and he's going to be really anxious that we've looked after this money, so I'll bury it and I'll just sit there waiting. Um, the 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 bridesmaids who are commended were not the ones who thought that he'd come home soon. The ones who who, who were commended are the ones who had betted with their financial resources, by buying oil, that the bridegroom was going to be late. And he was. Hmm. And he was late. Uh, there isn't a parable uh, uh, that suggests when the master comes home, he will want everyone lined up at the door ready to greet him.
3: He'll want them going about the work that they've been assigned. And that—that
0: which... that, that is the message of the passage in Peter that we've just read, because it says, how ought you then live? You ought to live holy mm. and good lives. Um, look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming.
3: Oh, oh the C.S. Lewis quote is coming, come. Let me just go find it.
0: Oh, good, good, good. It's also the sentiment of the George MacDonald quote that I read. When he tells yes. them to watch lest he find them neglecting their work, they stare this way and that, and watch lest he should succeed in coming like a thief. So throughout, if instead of speculation we gave ourselves to obedience, what a difference would soon be seen in the world.
3: Here we go. You ready for the C.S. Lewis quote? Yes. It's coming. Uh, C.S. Lewis quote, uh, 1948. Um, I've just got the quote here on on someone's webpage, so I don't know what essay or book it is, but I do believe this is a quote from him. I have um, read it before. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply... Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors and aesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances, and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty, This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, and a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds.
1: Yeah. Given the genesis of this podcast, uh, mm. that's quite a profound quote, isn't it?
2: Well, what it alludes to, the, in in some sense, the already quite um, harsh realities of having to live. Um, you know, what did it say? A reasonably high percentage of us die in unpleasant ways. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, that's what I thought you were all going to be pulling me up. When you pulled me up before, when I was talking about um, <laughs> um, wanting, he wants, it doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I thought that your problem with it was, but le- the longer he goes, he might be giving more opportunity for some to repent, but surely he's also condemning vast multitudes more to pain, suffering, and a terrible existence. Um, the uh, that's that's the flip side of this conundrum. Um, th- and and I'm exaggerating, I actually don't find this overwhelmingly compelling myself. Um, because, because the if it makes any sense at all, um, for any negative experience for any suffering to exist then there must be, in this package of putting together a set of ideas to make sense of the world, there must be some way of make of saying, for some reason, it's worth it. You know, the Christian the Christian theodicies that try and make sense of the existence of evil and suffering in the world are, are attempts to say, to come up with explanations for why it's worth it. Um, and, you know, because the same argument that I've just made can be used a, against some, you know, uh, what are they... It, i i understand many people who used to call themselves theistic evolutionists now prefer the phrase evolutionary creationists but in any case long age creationists are often accused of having to deal with this fact of so much suffering and cruelty throughout the long ages yeah. right but the, the the conundrum here is we we are we are reading second peter 3 and and actually having to come to grips with the fact that if there is meaning in the view of the world given to us through the ministry and life of Jesus, then that meaning has to accept this this multitudinous suffering. It has to we, be able to. It has to be able to accommodate we, it.
0: We we um, nothing that you said is wrong, Lothman. There's two comments I'd make. (laughs) I'm not sure you can say that. It may be. It may be wrong. (laughs) Well, what I was about to qualify that. What he means is he agrees with you. (laughs) Yeah. No, what I mean is that the the things, the criticism or the amendments I'm about to suggest are not there to replace your comments. They are additions to it. So, yes, it is true that there's a large amount of suffering. And in some sense, God seems to think the whole thing's worth it. And that's uncomfortable for many people, and mm. I accept that. Two two comments. Uh, one of them is it is not just suffering that is inexplicable. Uh, so is pleasure. Mm. Um, it, it is wrong to say to point the finger at the irrational presence of um, uh, pain, and to not also mm. say that feeling of awe I get looking at the night sky. Mm. Is,
3: oh, that, that that's a mystifying...
0: It's a mystifying... It is as mystifying. Pleasure is as mystifying as... Yeah. In fact, I am I am more mystified by the pleasure than the pain. It brings me to the mm. second point, uh, which is that generally the cultures that have been most worried about the presence of pain and suffering have been those where people enjoy relatively comfortable lives. Mm. And that needs to give us... Pause for that. that's not true uniformly, and it it doesn't in any way undermine the genuine authentic authenticity of the question about the pain and suffering. But um, it qualifies it in in some sense. Um, it it is though the fundamental question even before Christ's second coming is his first coming and the creation of the world. If if he knew that he was creating free agents and he intended them to reproduce. And so there were going to be free agents living in a perpetual chain and each of them had a non-zero probability of choosing evil, then it was going to happen at some point. That's that's given. Um, And there are verses that suggest the plan of salvation was in some sense premeditated. Um, I know the Gospel of John opens with this sort of rapturous description of Christ being there at the beginning. Um, So it's not just the pain and suffering up until the second coming. It's the whole thing. but if you say if you say if you say God seems to think it's worth it, and that could be very callous, and I'd be I'd be sympathetic to anyone who saw that it was callous, except for the event of the incarnation um, of God Himself experiencing this pain and suffering. That I think is a significant event. Well, then maybe you can just let it go on a long, long time. I think. I think that the lesson is on the money when they say, looking backwards about the previous 2000 years, when they say, despite the great length of time, which really doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, in
1: one sense, I say, yes, it does matter in defining soonness or slowness. But in the way that you've described it, it doesn't matter. Again, because time is not the important feature. Um, mm. uh, and, and, that brings me to the to another issue that arises here. It seems to me both time and manner of coming are being redefined um or uh, put in within a different context um and we're but we're concerned with both the time and uh the manner uh we concern ourselves with you know little black clouds and um, we have, we have our wonderful pictures of, uh, uh, of, of light, you know, bursting open, um, uh, in the atmosphere. Um, uh, it, it's, um, uh, but I sometimes wonder about whether we're so certain about the details of the manner uh, that we run the risk of making the same sort of mistakes that, religious people made at the first mm-hmm. coming. Um, uh, so that's one observation. And then speaking about... The, and, and we we don't give much focus to the thief in the night because the thief in the night doesn't come uh, uh, announced. announced with uh, trumpets and trumpets. You know, all of that. Yeah. I mean, look, but we are told that there'll be trumpets. In, in any event, it will be a yeah. significant event, though, because... What no we flutes, see is Ken. that that no no flutes that that's no that they'll be they'll be for when we get to heaven. Um, I see. Uh, yeah, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will <clears> melt <throat> in the heat. I'm interested in you you physics and scientific types. Um, what sort of picture does that create in your mind?
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't know what elements <laughs> he would be talking about. Is he talking about like the four, the fire, water, earth? I mean, the concept of a chemical element is very recent.
2: Mm. I, I doubt he was talking about things like uranium and yeah. polonium and presidimium.
3: Those do melt in heat. Yeah, well, it's mm-hmm. true. Enough. Of I mean, it.
2: technically, <laughs> technically, melting isn't the best word. Uh, what he's probably describing here is actually becoming a, a plasma. I think that would be perhaps more accurate. Mm.
3: Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, I would love, is... I would love Locke for you to write up a scientifically uh, literate Bible mm. translation. What? Um, what?
0: Uh, Luke, it wouldn't help very much, though, would it? I mean, imagine. imagine- that's not why I want it, Cam. <laughs> ah,
3: <that's it. laughs> uh, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: look, there's a big, there's a big, um, a side note here. I, I am uncomfortable. I am more uncomfortable with these parts of this passage about its description of the destruction of the world um, than I am with the parts that we have been discussing. And my reasoning for that is a specific conversation that I had once with an Adventist church pastor where these verses were referenced. It was a conversation specifically about um, ecological sensitivity and care for the environment. And more or less in, in some ways these verses were referenced Mm. as sort of evidence that of course we probably shouldn't have to care too much about the, the the physical and ecological world because it's all going to burn. It's all destined for the flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that that's beyond the scope. I'm looking at the time. That's beyond the scope. Luke, no. you have to hold that one for next time. No, no, I'm not going to hold. That. I'm going to I'm going to just observe. That.
0: That's why <laughs> I'm just going to observe that. That's why I don't feed my kids because they're going to die one day anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they were looking pretty healthy when they were, were, when they were around here last say. Sabbath. Uh,
1: but maybe that's because <laughs> we were feeding them, Ken.
3: Um, <laughs> that's that's I, why I so often, it, I want to yeah. make a quick observation before we wrap up, um, and it, maybe I won't do it justice because it, it it would deserve a longer topic. But you know, a lot of the things that we've been putting together and the quotes from McDonald and Lewis and multiple quotes in the Bible itself about you know and, and the parables about the, the the servants and the the handmaidens and all the rest of it, the ones who prepared well were the ones who focused on well they prepared for contingencies right and this is uh, my job at the moment involves a fair amount of understanding of disaster preparedness the way you prepare for an event is not to spend every day yeah okay we'll be more specific the way you prepare for a cyclone is not to spend every day looking out the window and going i wonder if the cyclone's coming today that's that's useless that won't make you a a jot more prepared. The way to prepare for a cyclone coming is to have your emergency plans in place. It's to have your, your emergency kit in place. It's to make sure your house is, is, is built the right way and you know what to do with it if a cyclone comes. Um, it's to make sure you've got the contacts of all the people that you've got to be looking out for, the people that you're going to need to get help from. It's, it's, it's making sure you know what the local government plans are. It's making sure you know the SES contacts. It's making sure all of these... It's doing things to be prepared for the disaster whenever it happens not spending all your time trying to predict the exact day and minute and hour and second that the cyclone is going to come. Hmm. For a church that cares so much about the second coming, we put it in our name, we do preparedness completely wrong. Hmm. We're very bad at it.
0: I'd like to close uh, with um, this question. Uh, When the lesson says... It says, blah, 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 how can we help see others uh, despite the great length of the timing brackets, which doesn't really matter. I think that's an insightful sort of Freudian slip there. Um, my question is, in all the discussion we've been talking about of all the problems and the nuances um, and the amount of all the different energies we throw into all these different aspects and dimensions to preparedness and forecasting and speculation and study and all the rest of it, my question is, well, what... What does really matter?